Hello, welcome back to Pushing Buttons, a video game podcast where we express our opinions, ideas, concepts, and experiences. I am Kyle. I'm Kevin. We haven't busted out that intro in a very long time. And we yeah, are a part school. of the Geek Freaks Network, uh, courtesy of Frank, and he is in the house today. Welcome, Frank. Courtesy of Frank, I'm not, <laughs> I don't bring you Geek Freaks, it's, it's a community, <laughs> and uh, we're all proud members. <laughs> You're the well, leader. You listener? <laughs> no, I told I told Disney mom's gone wrong. In this I'm not the leader of anything. I'm the intern in charge of coffee. At best. <laughs> yes, I'm the un, unpaid intern around here. I heard that conversation. That's why I brought that up. I, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. It is uh, a fascinating time for all of us. Uh, today, though, we're going to be expressing our ideas, concepts, Ideas, concepts. I don't know where this is going. <laughs> Pushing buttons, intros. <laughs> We're talking about digital versus physical, which we haven't done in a while. If you listen Thank to you. Pushing Buttons Classic, which is what we refer to as our old show before we were part of the Geek Freaks Network. Uh, we did an episode on this, but on this uh, current feed that you're listening to this show on right now, we did do an episode. Uh, what? was that oh it was a uh, distribution of games uh over the years uh yeah. we're kind of probably going to hit some of the same notes that we did on that episode but that was more of a factual thing this is going to be more subjective uh, ideas concepts opinions experiences type thing so it should be yeah. a very fun conversation any podcast that gets past 20 episodes i want to say you have to forgive them for repeating themselves. <laughs> I've told the same stories on Geek Freaks. I don't know how many times at this point. It happens every time you pass 20 episodes. So forgive us. I think that's the beauty of this podcast is it's more to do with the individual rather than the collaborative. And we can, you know, have a space to share those thoughts. So. And when the individual is me, opinions change so frequently that <laughs> it's always new content. Absolutely. <laughs> that's the way I like it. You know, it's been a, it's been a while, hasn't it, Kevin? Lots it's been a while since since what? The last one, the quick fire review. Oh yeah, we a uh, little peek behind the curtain. That was we recorded that a couple of weeks in advance. I want to say, um, yeah, Kyle's gone through some life changes. Want to talk about that? Indeed, yeah. Uh, just moved to a new state from Oregon to Utah, and so far so good. I've uh, been mostly just getting things organized and you know putting things as they are. Helping family out with stuff, and it's been. <laughs> you could be a little less <laughs> putting stuff where it is and helping things with stuff. <laughs> it's like you could hold off on some uh, of those details if you really wanted to, Kyle. <laughs> well, I'm worried about uh, my newfound lifestyle where I just don't have energy at the moment because <laughs> I'm exhausted from the whole process, and <laughs> I'm still kind of adjusting to a whole new climate yeah. and my allergies have been really bad here Ooh, yeah these past couple weeks uh apparently this area is notorious for really bad allergy seasons and it happens three times a year <laughs> so uh that's something that i gotta get adjusted to if but, you guys uh, listening yeah. didn't know, also, uh, Frank just got back from Lodi Comic Con. There's a bunch of uh, live recorded episodes of a couple different shows on the network. Uh, do you want to talk about what happened while you were there? Oh, my God. Comic Con is the funnest thing ever, guys. Uh, you know, if, if you were to tell high school me that, like, 
hey, you know how you're a geek and you get bullied sometimes? But eventually there will be a place where you guys all meet up. <laughs> That's what Comic-Cons are. And uh, we recorded a Disney Moms Gone Wrong, uh, Trek Freaks, and a regular Geek Freaks there, which was just basically us bullshitting and admiring the amazing cosplay, uh, which we are now friends with some of those cosplayers, which is really cool. You know, on my side of the business of things for for podcasting, there was a lot of business cards exchanged and future interviews and stuff like that being set up. So I'm excited to share some of the local talent with the rest of the world. Um, it was amazing. Please listen to all the live episodes. I think they were, they were a lot of fun to do. They were a lot of work to edit. <laughs> I think they're worth a listen myself. Yeah. And uh, in case you were not aware, Frank has... Oh, yeah. An affected voice here, but he's hanging in there and staying strong. So yeah, it's oh, a perfect voice. What you guys? Yeah, knows what you, I kind of <laughs> wish it was always like that. Honestly, it's just, it's just I do. Not. I could listen to it all the time. <laughs> it is calmly relaxing. Like I, th- I can't describe it any other way. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, there's an episode of How I Met Your Mother where everybody's smoking cigarettes, and Lily smokes so much that her voice. She is yeah that 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 voice right there. The, hey there, sweetheart. That, that's kind of what yeah. your voice reminds me of right now. Uh, I can't even try to mimic that. That would hurt so much. <laughs> oh, man. And uh, Kevin, what have you been up to this past while? I know you've been looking into this, some new avenues of income. Well, shoot, man. I, Without getting into too much detail, I've been going to a lot of retro game stores lately, and I... Don't don't for sure know if this is going to happen, but my current plan is to have a YouTube channel of all the the video game stores around where I live in the Pacific Northwest. So uh, northern Oregon, southern Washington, maybe up to northern Washington. I'm not sure yet, but in the Portland area alone, there's so many game stores that are just owned by so many cool people. I want to get to know them, uh, shoot videos of their stores and show off what they have to offer and. See if I can pick up stuff. If you're watching a video of this, I've got a miniature Switch collection sitting next to me. That see if I can make that thing grow a little bit is what I'm attempting to do. So looking forward to that. That'll be fun. Very nice. Very nice. You gotta and, make TikToks about that too, man. That sounds like such a good TikTok channel. Oh as well. yeah, that's what we call bait. That's TikTok bait right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For sure. I'm excited to watch. <laughs> well, to kick things off, uh, you know, we've been discussing a lot of stuff over on geek freaks lately and uh one of the biggest responses that we've had to something that released last week or two weeks ago at this point is star trek strange new worlds yeah and we are all you know amazingly like blown away by everything about it like me personally as a new star trek watcher it's fascinating to behold and i actually had a question to ask you to i wanted to ask in the geek freaks recording but we didn't have time but, uh, you know, there's a character in that show called Chief Kyle. And I kind of used that as a self-insert. I'm like, okay, maybe this is what I would do for a living in Star Trek. I'd be the transporter guy. So my question to you two is, what role would you partake in or be in charge of on the Enterprise or any other Starfleet ship? First of all, I want to mention that Kyle has no idea that in the episode, the TOS episode, Mirror, Mirror, Mr. Kyle was the one that got agonized. <laughs> so yeah. Wait, just throwing that out there. What's agonized mean? <laughs> it's a Is form of bad? punishment. You put a pin on them and they like yeah. hurts and shocks. I don't know. It's, it's a mirror what? universe thing. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. So 
yeah, Mr. Kyle got punished. <laughs> just, just throwing that out there. Um, he, he's got, isn't he also the one that gets like attacked in? Yeah, I, I think he kind of gets attacked a lot, actually. Yeah, he, well, he's he's the red he, shirt that doesn't die, apparently. Yes, there oh, is. Yeah. great, perfect, perfect role for me then. Great. <laughs> is that what you would do then, Kyle? If you do, you want to answer the question first? Well, is I that feel like you just did. I okay. I would be the transporter guy. If that's okay. what it's called, teleporter well, guy. If you do watch Star Trek, you know that Miles O'Brien is the most most important person in Starfleet history. So, uh, you're in good company. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. I would actually. Th- there isn't room for this on most ships past the uh, the Enterprise era, which is the prequel series. But I'd want to be a chef. Like that's what I would do is cook alien foods. Neelix, I guess, was that role yep. uh, in Voyager, but they don't really have a chef. Mm. Oh, shoot. I guess even to some extent bartending, uh, Guinan, Quark, you know, Quark, yeah, yeah th- those th- either something to do with food, something to do with drinks, something in there so I can hear the hot goss around the galaxy, especially if it's a galaxy class ship. It would just make sense to say that. Um, yeah, that'd be that'd be really fun. Plus, Guinan is a very important person in Star Trek and I love Quark and yeah. You know, people have very strong opinions on Neelix, and I think that I could fill those shoes pretty well, too. So, <laughs> And you with think, your Frank? love of cooking simulator, that makes sense. <laughs> there we go, yes. Yeah, I, I would be a captain. I, I wish I wasn't so vain, but <laughs> it's just the truth. Literally, I've had dreams of being a captain on a starship. This is where you say I, you're the, you would just be the intern that would give people coffee. Come on, we just discussed this. <laughs> I'm not the boss. It's oh, I'd be the captain. captain would be so humble. <laughs> no. um, I like to think, because I've had dreams of being a captain, so Doctor Strange rules, that means that there's a multiverse out there where I'm a captain of a starship, baby, and I will dream walk into him <laughs> check that out nice. uh, did i mention no, that yeah. i've got the dark hole no <laughs> like... yeah, yeah. Can I, hey can you mail me the dark hole I need a for a few days uh, yeah totally captain i mean who doesn't want to be a captain i think we're right. being humble here if we're not we all want to be captain uh, there's that, less responsibility that... if you're a chef oh uh, to some extent i don't, I don't know but... people get really picky about their food Sitting on the bridge, making those decisions, and 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 that that moment in Voyager when the EMH takes the command role and then gets the pins on him like he's the new captain was such a yell at your TV moment for my <laughs> young childhood that uh, that will forever live rent free in my brain. So for sure that yeah, awesome. No great picks, guys. I really <laughs> love hearing your feedback and your ideas for Star Trek because as a new viewer, like that's fascinating to me. Yeah. You should listen to uh, Trek Freaks sometime. I think we actually absolutely uh, we I think we had that question on Trek Freaks one time, and I think I even gave the same answer. So mm. I think right. I'm actually being consistent for once in my life. Speaking <laughs> of being consistent, I was singing the praises of uh, digital distribution for video games, and I've been that way forever. Now and yet, <laughs> I'm, I'm I I can kind of see both perspectives of it. So. To kind of segue into the main topic today, uh, digital distribution versus physical versions of games. There's a lot to be said on both topics Uh, off the the top of your guys' head. I'm pretty sure I know where both of you are going to go with this. What do you guys think on this? Is there uh, one that stands out more than the other and why? Uh, Let's start with Frank. I mean, complete respect for both, right? But I think at this point, I'm a digital guy. Uh, I, I like the idea that your library will stick with you 
I know that there's that level of like, yeah, but there's no real true ownership. Really, you're just renting everything forever. Um, so there's that. But the convenience is so easy that I'm like, okay, that's fine. Um, I, or before streaming was a thing, I used to make hard drives full of uh, emulators, of movies, of TV shows, thinking that I could live off the grid and watch everything. And Spotify came out basically to stop piracy by making it too easy to not pirate. And I think that's what's happening with video games. And I'm kind of on board with that. But full respect to physical copies, really. You know. I think with uh, physical versus digital, there's a very fine line you can draw in regards to the history of video gaming. I would say, like, for me, that line is drawn, I would say, prior to uh, the previous generation that we've had, which is PS4, Xbox One, Switch. Because everything leading up to that point, you know, that was a really formative time for us because we were in our childhood, teens, young adulthood. And back then, physical copies had more uh, value, I would say, to us, just purely through nostalgic reasons. But as we've seen over the course of history, like the physical copies are getting less and less. Uh, they just have less features. Yeah. Like one good example of this is the game manual. Like those original ones from like retro gaming are like fully fledged. You can flip through them and get artwork and stuff. And as we've gone more into the modern day, you don't really see that anymore. Basically, they've just completely digressed or devolved over time. And yeah, I think uh, I do prefer both. And digital also has its strengths, as Frank said, for convenience. And also for the fact that, you know, you can play it at any time you want. Like you don't have to have any requirements other than a decent computer or a console in this case. But yeah, I would say it, it definitely depends on where you fall in that gaming timeline. Well, um, to your point also, pricing is a huge thing. Um, yeah. I brought up the Messenger on Geek Freaks on Monday. I have it right here. So if you're watching the video, see, I paid $279 for this at a, a game store. That's and crazy. <laughs> it's the Messenger. I mean, I bought this game and played it in 2018, and I think it was twenty dollars when it came out. Yeah, and it now like because five bucks today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's on sale right uh, as the time of recording this. It's on sale, and I wanted to have it physically, so I paid a lot of money for it, uh, uh, way more than I would normally have considered it worth. But it's it's cool to physically have things. But the thing that started go going in my brain um, as I go through my opinions on digital games. I love digital games, but what happens when a library shuts down? And we talked about a couple of weeks ago on Geek Freaks about how uh, Sega's shutting down distri uh, digital distribution of all their original Sega Genesis Sonic games in yeah. anticipation for the release of Sonic Origins. And yeah, that's just one kind of okay example because there's so many ways to get those games and most people that want those games have them already but what happens when a digital distribution platform shuts down what happens when the eShop um suddenly the nintendo comes out with a new console that can't run old games on the eShop and you have to wait for them to port them or emulate them again and in the meantime you can't play them because you don't have the physical version of it uh, it's there there's there's give and takes to both so 
with me personally, with my collection, I'm physically collecting games that hit in a, a note with me emotionally, uh, whether it be nostalgic purposes or games like I got Doom. That's Doom 1, 2, and 3. I love Doom 1 and 2. They were the, I was just telling Frank right before we started recording, Doom 2 is the very first FPS that I ever played. And I've got very strong memories of my childhood watching my dad play the original Doom online. So it, it holds some emotional, sentimental value to me. Um, indie games are great on the Switch because you'll be able to play them forever as long as you have a working Switch. Uh, they don't, the Switch cards don't degrade like CDs do or DVDs do over time. Uh, you don't have to blow the dust out like cartridges or clean them off with the Q-tip or whatever. They essentially have the potential to last forever, regardless, as long as you have the system to play it on. That's I'm where I'm the at. Battery with... holds is the hard part with those things. I've actually got Game Boy games I can't play anymore because the battery died on inside of them. Right. Like, no. At that point, the worst <laughs> thing that happens is you lose your save on those because you just yeah. swap out the battery and all's good. But it was Pokemon the... Silver, so that save's important. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, yeah, that that yeah. sucks. Um, yes. Digital games are great though. Like I'm looking at my Steam profile right now. I've got 1072 games on Steam. Yeah. That's, that's not amazing. to mention the like 300 <laughs> games that I have on Epic, about 150 on good old games. I've over time on the Xbox 360, I know I had probably a couple of dozen games on there, maybe even more. So I I definitely go both ways, but I have rules and like lanes that I stick in with each thing. If I play a game that's $20 on Steam, and I absolutely love it and call it my 2018 game of the year. I want to have a physical version of it when it hits me that hard, you know? Mm. That's uh, that's just where I'm that's at with tough, it. I'm sorry, real quick. Very tough year to say that's the game of the year. 2018 is a year in gaming that will not be repeated easily for no, a I know. long time. It, it wasn't actually my game. It was it was my number two game, but it was, it was yeah, my number two choice. Impressive. But, yeah, it, it was a, a $20 indie game, so... That being yeah. my number two for the year was just that's how good the messenger is, by the way. It's on if you're listening to this while it's on sale, it's really cheap on Steam right now. Buy it, play it. It's fun. I believe it was free on Epic at one point, And that's where I played oh. it. I'm not positive, though. But yeah, check it out, guys. Yeah. Uh, do you guys have any different rules that you'll budge on when it comes to that? Like I do, like, will you what makes you want to buy a physical game versus buying them digitally? You want to go first, Kyle? Because I'm about sure. to repeat a fucking record like I always do. <laughs> Come forward, man. No worries. Uh, yeah, I would say there's definitely some uh, guidelines I follow, mainly for retro gaming. Like for me, my first real console that I cherished as a child was the N64. Yeah. So I love to retain those. And, you know, I have a really long story about my original N64 and how I had to sell it. And that definitely was something I wish I didn't have to do as a kid, but I had to, to get a GameCube. And yeah, the feeling to recollect that and to re-experience that definitely holds a strong note. And yeah, I was really shocked to see how collectible that's gotten in the last handful of years. We both, Kevin, you and I, before I came to Utah, we went on these hunts together and I was astounded by the prices of some of these N64 games. Yeah. And not to mention, you know, finding them complete in box, which is almost impossible now. But the cartridges themselves can go anywhere from like 50 to over $100. And I was just floored by that. I'm like, wow, there's still a lot of intrinsic value in the cartridge itself that it can still be uh, played even on 
an N64 almost 30 years later. It's astounding to me because I was just so caught up in keeping up with modern gaming over mm-hmm. the years that I just completely neglected retro gaming because it's like, okay, I've done that. I'll move on, you know. But as I'm getting older, I'm wanting to re-experience the feelings I had playing those original games physically, like actually holding the cartridge, the feeling of putting it inside the system, you know, flipping the switch on as opposed to pressing a button on modern consoles. Like, you just can't replace that feeling with modern day consoles or a PC even when everything is just, you know, click a button and you have the game installed and you're done. Me and uh, I mentioned this on Geek Freaks, actually. We keep saying that, but we're going to, that's a good cross promotion. Go check it out, guys. Um, <laughs> we, me and Tyler were talking, and, and he's really big at collecting uh, retro games right now. And he's big on the CRT TVs. And I was telling him, like, oh, yeah, Kyle's nuts for these things, you know, like explaining. And he said the reason he's getting so big into them is that for the esports that he's currently involved in, uh, specifically, he's working on this new Tetris game. He's going to be competing in a Tetris tournament soon. Um, they're all on CRT TVs. There is almost no latency there, so you actually have to relearn how to play because just naturally you built in the lag from LEDs, but on the on the old CRT TV, there's none, so you have to get used to that. So he's actually like retraining himself with these old TVs, and it I, actually I, I you know just throw this out there as another topic, another time kind of thing. Me and him talked about how this has to be a pushing buttons is all the like niche gaming groups or or odd gaming groups that are out there that are just so dedicated and it's fascinating to learn about them i just i I soak it up i just think it's so neat well on top of that there's i I don't know if this is kind of what you meant but there's people that are wanting to collect these things simply to keep the history of it alive like the uh, uh, basically have it belongs in a museum level like i bought a sega genesis and like i i don't realize until i was talking to the guy that owns one of the retro gaming stores in the town that I live in was like, yeah, I've got one of those at home. I consider it worth pennies. I'm like, that's my childhood. That's worth pennies right. to you. <laughs> yeah. And th- th- it belongs in a museum. But other people yeah. look at it and it's like, yeah, the Sega Genesis, it had maybe five, six good games, but it's not a GameCube, man, where you could like throw a dart and hit a good GameCube game if you're at a, uh, a good gaming store. The yes. good GameCube games were all over the place and i never played a gamecube so now i'm trying to think from the perspective of like i've never played a gamecube so maybe i should buy one to try to play these games but there are people that have that mindset that are maybe younger than us that haven't played anything before the gamecube such as the n64 the sega genesis uh, a fucking dreamcast for crying out loud yeah, those things yeah. man uh, i saw 3dx in person or 3dx uh uh 3d uh, 32x sorry a 32x the attachment for the Sega Genesis that plays the 32-bit yeah. cartridges for the first time at a retro game store uh, somewhat locally when I was hunting with Kyle the other week month whatever whenever that was it was the first <laughs> time I saw a 32x and I'm like oh man I want one of those because I've never seen one before there's some intrinsic value to being able to hold the video game history in your hand and say I have this and I will be forever taking care of this I, yeah. I think there's a lot to be said for that. I agree I like with that, for, too. Oh, go I, ahead, I think, yeah, just real quick. I think we should all share pictures with each other, and then we'll put them up on the socials after this episode comes out, of our console collections. In my dining room, I've got a, a three big bookshelves 
and some of the bookshelf that I have 2600 I've got I've got they're dedicated to different systems so I'll have like the NES shelf has the NES NES controllers and some of the games that I like the most on it the N64 section has N64 Diddy Kong Racing Mario Kart over here and two controllers and you display them with a mix of like the N64 is one of the most iconic systems ever created plus the Diddy Kong Racing cartridge in there is a little piece of me in it so you know there's, there's a little mix of like this game this system needs to be represented plus these are the parts that i identify with and not a lot of collectors or, or or historical items have that significance that i think consoles do for us you know so it's just extra cool because we lived through it as it was coming out and yeah. we, we want people that have the same mindset of us of games are fucking awesome Yes. Uh, to to be able to go back and play those things with the same feelings that we had when we played them as kids. So, yeah. Yeah, I would say uh, I'm at a point in my life where I'm not really looking forward to much in regards to modern releases. And I'm seeing myself more as, okay, I'm at this point in my life where my childhood is starting to get further away than my future adulthood <laughs> yeah and that's We're like a shit. big I get it. eye opener i'm like oh my god yeah they call um, it a midlife crisis buddy. <laughs> i was gonna say that uh yeah. i think that's what our game hunts were about actually um <laughs> just to put that into context chasing our childhood that's what i kept saying too yeah um but i was kind of going through a lot of the stuff i owned and i was actually being like surprised by what I had that I totally forgot about. Like in regards to old games that I had or posters that I've collected or strategy guides I've kept over the years. And, you know, I'm really excited to kind of go through that again and re-experience that joy I had. And with digital, you can't really do that as well. I think that's physical's main strength is that it's, you know, it's tied with memories. And having those memories, and that kind of authenticates yourself. Like, yes, I went through this experience, and it has a lot of value to me. And, you know, there's games that have come out recently that I love the heck out of, like Resident Evil 8. But it doesn't have the same feeling as Resident Evil 4 back on the GameCube. When I played that for the first time, it blew me away. And Resident Evil 8 was very much made to be similar to Resident Evil 4, but it didn't have the same punch because it was calling back on something I've already experienced. And I, I feel like games nowadays do that a lot. We see that with remakes and remasters and stuff like that. And, you know, there's a remake I'm really looking forward to for Dead Space that's coming out in January next year. And a fan, as a huge fan of the franchise, I hold that game dearly. Like that's that was such that was my first game in HD that I ever played. And with this remake, I've been watching the developer live streams. And they're giving it so much love and attention to detail. Like as a fan, that's reinvigorating my passion for new releases again. And I'd love to see that moving forward. When when you go out and so you're talking about how Resident Evil 4 has a different feeling Resident Evil 8 for you. So when you go out to collect Resident Evil 4, the physical version of it, are you tr- are you going out to play it because you want to try to recapture that memory? Or are you going out of it as respect to put it up on a shelf? Which way are you collecting physical copies? 
I would say more out of respect. Yeah. Because same. Resident Evil 4 has made so many ports over the years. Like there's the Wii one, which I have. I don't have my original GameCube one anymore, which I was surprised to learn when I got to Utah. <laughs> I yeah. was like, dang it, I got to get that again. But, you know, they've re-released that game so many times over the years, even on Steam as a digital release. And I have bought that digital release. I haven't played it because I know what to expect. I know what the game is. But for me, I'd rather go back and replay the old 2005 GameCube edition because that I have actual memories associated with. And it came out during a really uh, transformative time. This was like my junior year of high school. So I'd love to revisit that and kind of go, okay, here's how I've grown since then. Like, what do I appreciate now about the game as opposed to back then when it was all fresh and new? And part of me just wants to recollect games for that feeling again, while also yeah. paying my respects to it, in essence. I think that's where the, the digital and physical versions can work so well together is we buy the physical versions as collectors and, and, and kind of memorize or Whatever, make them collectibles for memorialize That's essentially. The word. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, but yet for convenience, and I mean honestly, they're just so cheap half the time. Be able to buy the digital version to play at our comfort. I would rather play a digital version of a N64 game on the Switch. Ooh, if I could ever get the damn controller for it, that's the right one. Or even on the PC, where it's like, hey, I'm talking with friends. I'm making the best version of that game here, and yet have that cartridge sit on itself and just look beautiful there. So I, I think the two can work quite well together if we let them, you know? I remember we talked about timeless games and you brought up Goldeneye. And I was like, uh, I don't know. I think it aged too much. Like, I, it was going off of my memory, right? So that was one of the first games I actually played when I moved here. And the memories that came flooding back while physically playing it, like, I even felt my old muscle memory come back with playing the game. And that's something you can't replicate Digital. That's cool. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, wow, GoldenEye actually is fun to play still. And, <laughs> you know, the graphics are dated, of course, but the gameplay is so solid. Like, it still feels great yeah. to play today. And only someone who played the original way back when it first came out can understand and take that into consideration when it comes to digital versus physical. So, so for, for me personally, I... When I was starting to collect when Kyle and I started our uh, retro game hunts was I was looking to buy my childhood. Like I wanted those sitting down and playing the Genesis right behind where I'm sitting now. And Kyle was sitting here watching me test a couple of games. I nearly beat uh, World of Illusion starring Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck while testing it. I meant to play it for 12 seconds to test it out. I ended up playing it for like, I don't know, it was probably 15, 20 minutes, but it's a short game. I, yeah. I could have just sat down and continued playing that to completion just because it brought back so many of those like you're saying with GoldenEye so many of those memories and it just it felt natural again on the other hand I noticed while we were out how I keep saying the word versatile the switch is but not just with how it's portable and you can play it on your TV but with the the physical games on it limited run uh super rare all those uh limited print games game companies publishers are doing things like the classic doom collection the uh, limited runs doing a star wars the force unleashed uh box set that has you know all the little it's got like a little uh, lightsaber hilt and it's got a, a light up holocron and stuff like that but just with the stack of just plain old games 
I want somebody to be able to look at my physical video game collection and understand me. That's what it Ooh, is to nice. me, is it tells the story of who I am throughout the years. Tells Starting the story with my, of Kevin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, but yeah, with the Sega Genesis is the earliest console that I currently own because it was the first console I ever played. I just recently bought an original Xbox because it was the... It was the first console that was mine and not my siblings and mine. It wasn't a family console like the Genesis and the yeah. N64 were. I still have my childhood N64. I don't think works. But I, I've got the Genesis and I've got the N64 and I've got the Xbox. And th that was my childhood. And on the Switch now, I'm able to collect games that are remakes or just re-releases of games from my childhood. As well as the just surplus of indie games that come out. And they're re cheaper to get digitally, of course, which is we've talked about that already. But it, just be able to see the games that I truly love and adore. And you can tell the, the developers put more time and effort or a creativity into consideration when making these games. And that's the kind of game that I want. So if you look at my stack of Switch games, you'd be like, oh, those are the kind of games you like. I understand you. That's I, yeah. that's what I think I'm looking for with my physical collection. Question for you guys. Is there a game, a modern game that came out? I actually I'm thinking of a few of them really, that you would buy the physical copy for out of respect. And I, I'll start us off by you guys think two of them for me. Sea of Thieves, I would buy the physical copy for if I could. Um, and the other one is Hades. Hades feels like a game that I want the physical copy for on whatever system. I I played it on PC. Look at that son of a bitch. Look at him. <laughs> I want oh, that sealed. out of respect. I've got, you know? It's sealed. <laughs> I've got my sealed uh, copy of Hades. I, I bought new at GameStop. I don't know if it would stay sealed for me. I think I'd open it up. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, out of respect, really. Any, any for you guys? Uh, I was going to say it's available digitally as well. Most people have it physically. I don't care for Breath of the Wild that much. Yeah. But it's such a historic game for the Switch. And it's what allowed the Switch to become the system it is. It's not my favorite Zelda game. It's definitely not my favorite Switch game. But I'm super glad that I have this. Um, as far as games that are games that I didn't know I could own physically until I was going out with Kyle. Um, once again, you're going to have to look at the camera or the video version of this. Spelunky. This is a collector's oh, wow. edition for Spelunky that I didn't know exist. And this is the game that got me back into video games in 2013-ish. Um, that actually gave me hope for new games coming out in the future. It was Spelunky, and the fact that I can own this physically with, you know, the Olmec head in there, and it's still sealed too, but... I, that is so cool looking. That, and it would have been my answer to your question, this or the Binding of Isaac, which I have the Binding of Isaac Repentance on the Switch on pre-order right now, so I'm getting that one too, yeah. so kind of a cop-out answer because I don't really have one, <laughs> but Star Wars Galaxies would be my other answer, but I've got two yeah. boxes of that on, on my sister's shelf sitting behind me, so... That, like I said, people can understand me just by looking at my video games. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, uh, clearly my number one is Celeste, also released in 2018. You know, aside from God of War, I uh, would definitely pick Celeste as my game of the year. I guess that's the AAA game of the year, and Celeste is my indie game of the year. Yeah. If we want to categorize them that way. Uh, Celeste was such a tremendous game that took me by complete surprise and I just loved everything about it like just from a player's standpoint from a developer's standpoint the story it told and how 
that also relates to the developer's journey as well. I just felt like overall I would love to have a physical representation of that because it was such a huge uh, capstone for that year for me because I played that late 2018. Yeah. And then we did our Game of the Year episode for Pushing Buttons, the original OG Pushing Buttons. So that was a lot of memories tied to that particular game. It is available physically. It's just rather expensive. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit out of my price range right now. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> price one day. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the way, we're going to link to the classic pushing buttons underneath this, guys. Go check it out. Follow it. I mean, it's, it's how I fell in love with the guys. So please check that out. It'll be in the description below. Um, Indeed. Let me. Okay. Here we go. Here's my broken record, guys. Here's something I think one of the best versions of virtual versus physical here. Um, World of Warcraft. <laughs> of course, I got to talk about this. A completely digital game, really, right? You could buy the physical copies, but that's all all it's doing is unlocking the next section. Um, but they did something so cool. So at one point, and Kyle, you probably remember this, they were going to modernize the servers. And so what they did was they took the old server blades, which had each server yes. you know, on them, and they auctioned them off for charity. And I have never wanted something more in my life when that happened. Nurzul was sitting there. My character uh, was sitting there yep. on a server blade that ran the world. And, you know, they sold for a crazy amount of money. They raised money for charity. It was a phenomenal event. Um, one of the creators I follow and have met in real life, actually, uh, Talia said, I never tell him, go, go check them out if you're WoW fans. They have a server blade sitting behind them that they were given uh, by Blizzard. And I, I am fixated on that every time they talk. I want one so bad. Um, specifically Nurzul, but I'll take any of them, really. And, and, and it's just an old, you know, to think it really means nothing to anybody else. It's outdated technology. But my world existed on that. I hung out with my friends on that blade. And uh, that just means so much to me. I couldn't even play it today if I wanted to. I mean, boy, I wonder if I could. But anyways, I don't think I could even play it today if I wanted to. But... It's out there. And, um, you know, I think that's one of the best versions of a digital form, something coming to physical. And there's a collector's edition that me and my friends have gotten over the years of these really cool box sets that for the most part we're buying it just so we could put the box next to the next, the other ones, you know. Um, but that, that server blade move was, I, I remember just being like, I'll sell my car for that thing. <laughs> it was so freaking cool. And yeah. Uh, I just had to shout that out. That was one of the coolest things I've seen. Going back to the wow boxes, like for me, I've always liked collecting the standard ones with yeah. the uh, the flaps that open up and you know yeah. show off the features of the expansion. But they stopped doing that with BFA, and we don't yeah. have a BFA one or Shadowlands one. So that was a really stupid thing, in my <laughs> opinion. They only had the physical collector's edition, but not the actual standard physical. Yeah, so not cost my, effective, but it's fun. <laughs> I know, but I loved collecting those and. It's a shame to not see those continued anymore, especially with Dragonflight coming out as well. When you get a uh, chance, Kyle, open up the Wrath of the Lich King one. It shows a feature that was never put in the game. To this day, still not put in the game. They plan on having aerial combat in the game, and they took hmm. it out right before release. But they printed the boxes beforehand. So on the box, it talks about aerial flights coming to World of Warcraft, or aerial combat. They took it out of the game, though. So it's... Huh. I, I, I just look like at that, that when it out. Yeah, nice. it's in the collector's edition too. If you open it up, yeah, it's pretty neat. One of the other uh, things that that got me thinking about with was uh, with Star Trek Online. There are services available that 
because you can customize your ship in the game, you can get a 3D printed version of your oh. in-game ship. That's it's probably not the same as, you know, having the server that you actually played the game on, but it still serves to have some sort of uh, you can look at it and be like, oh, yeah, that was my ship in this game. I played on that. My friends and yeah. I hung out at whatever version of 10 forward you want, whatever you called your bar or your yeah. your lounge on your ship. We hung out there and we explored strange new worlds on that ship. That kind of that kind of shit kind of I've never done it. But if I could get like a, a miniature version of my my character with a, a like a bigger version of the ship, that would be so freaking cool. I would probably yeah. I'd be very tempted to do something like that. And there there should be I wish there was more digital to physical adaptations, like yeah. physical versions of the digital stuff that you could keep and like have a, as a memento to your time in that game or in that world, especially with an MMO when you're hanging out with other people while you're doing it. And those those memories are just so strong and they flood you they flood back the way that Kyle trying out uh Goldeneye on the N64 did. It just makes all those memories flood back again. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's the th- that probably would have been a better title or uh theme of this episode is what makes you have memories of video games. We, we've something. already done nostalgia, guys. Like I said, after twenty episodes, yeah. they repeat. Just get ready for it. <laughs> but <laughs> You're it's hanging th- out through- with us, that's the main thing through a new perspective and i'm sure there are a a bunch of people out there that have varying perspectives on this too and um we're not closing out the episode but this would be a good time to remind you if you do have varying perspectives or want to talk about your own collection share your own collection our discord server is is always open and we're hanging out there quite often and yeah hit us up there because i love to talk about and i'm really passionate about this stuff right now and i know there are others too that are so share your collection tell us what games that you do want and that you have that you've had a hard time finding and ones that you've been surprised you've been able to find because it's so much fun being able to do that share their success stories is one of my favorite parts about discord people share their success stories on finding a game or doing something in a game they haven't been able to do people will share it and we will. I have so many times told like somebody, Fly Pirate, hey, good job on that. I don't play the game, but I know the effort it took, and I'm happy to celebrate it with you. That's cool. Yeah, hang coming up. I don't know what to transition into <laughs> well, now, you said but it's I said at the end of the episode. I so did say that. Yeah, <laughs> you did not. Um, what is the pride and joy of your guys's physical collection? Oh, the, oh my the, the one thing. Damn. I'll give you some time to think about that. Um, I already talked about mine because as of right now, it's still so recent for me, the messenger, just being able to actually find that in a store and buy that when it was at the top of my wants list. I probably have some other and more either valuable or sentimentally valuable items in my collection. I recently went through my collection and separated stuff that I want to sell off, which is as hard as that is, sell off some of the stuff versus basically Marie Kondoing my my entire catalog of physical stuff and that's going to at some point include my star wars books oh, FYI. Yeah. that's gonna be that's gonna be hard that'll be fun though i think yeah so the messenger on switch is my my physical i i considered it a holy grail and i found it like day two so yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that much of a grail but anyway you guys yeah, have after one this after this recording i plan on doing that same thing going through everything and cataloging and just seeing what I have and have yet to get. But, you know, I was going through it last weekend 
And one of the coolest things I found in there that I totally forgot about was a Resident Evil 4 GameCube demo disc. <laughs> and it actually has not for resale on it. Mm-hmm. And it was just like a short preview of the game. Like, I think of just the village where you're at the very beginning of the game. Mm. And I thought that was really interesting. But as far as Pride and Joy goes, I would say uh, probably my Dark Souls collector's editions that I've gotten over the years. Like, I'm really fond of everything about that franchise and all the strategy guides I've collected for that as well. For myself, uh, I have, as a child, always been a collector. And a lot of my best collections are things I've kept as a kid, knowing someday I'll be proud of it. So, like, on the wall over here, not game-wise, I actually have my very first comic book I ever bought. It's on this wall, along with other ones that I really are, mean a lot to me. And as for my console collection, I would buy these consoles when they were new. And then once I was once the next thing came out, I didn't throw them away. I boxed them up and stored them in my closet because I knew someday I want a wall with all these things on them. And now I have it. And so oh, man, that's, that's awesome. The pride of my collection is that all my retro, not that sorry, most of my retro collection are the consoles I played as a kid. and most of them still work that gb that, that game boy i can't get to fire back up i'm trying <laughs> but um, i have my game boy color that's the, the pokemon one that's the blue on the back yellow on the front uh, nice. and uh, you know they're all from my childhood literally so that's that's my that's my if i if this house burns down i'll grab those and uh, probably the dogs and head out <laughs> <laughs> frank i'm actually learning how to act, uh, restore game consoles because my yeah. original xbox doesn't power on anymore and i'm trying to learn how to fix those yeah and i bought an original fat ps2 uh funnily enough kevin from the same game store owner you talked to about the sega genesis it was his original childhood ps2 and i felt so bad for buying it for ten dollars <laughs> he probably oh, did wow. not care though but knowing he, him he didn't care yeah, yeah. And i was like are you are you really sure you want me to buy this from you he's like yeah take it i'm like Okay, it's in good hands. I'll get it fixed and try and play some old games on it. But uh, yeah, uh, I'm planning on maybe making some YouTube videos on that as well. We'll see. Nice. Cool. Might be a I, cool side project. I restored my N64. It wasn't working at one point, and so I took it apart and restored it. Um, and that was such a surreal moment for me, putting it back together, putting in that Diddy Kong Racing. I and it had the saves of me, my brother, and both my brothers on there still with our initials and the last balloons and stuff like that. And it was like that that save is 20 years old and it's still there. And it's literally a slice of my childhood because I mean, talk about completing a game. There's there's secret levels in Diddy Kong Racing, guys. We've unlocked every one of them and you could see the amount of balloons we each had on each of our saves. And I mean, I, the fact that I could turn that thing on and see those saves, I just was like, this has just become the most valuable thing in my house to me because it's literally just me and my brothers before wives before having our own kids and rent and all that stuff just having this game and uh it was it was really really special That's amazing yeah. yeah that was cool uh yeah. let me ask you guys this uh i know we kind of talked about it already but is there something that you have yet to attain that you're dying to get your hands back on Ooh something from our childhood that you lost yeah uh sonic 3 i'm still looking for a complete in box i'm still looking Mm -hmm. for that on the sega genesis i can't find one complete in box like in the hard plastic box it's insane that i can't find one 
except buying one online for a very outrageous price. So that that right there is the one thing, the biggest thing for me. And uh, for me, I lost not only my original N64 collection, which I've gotten, you know, back again, but it's not my actual copies, but also the Game Boy stuff. I lost all my Game Boys, like the original Game Boy and the Game Boy Color. I never had an advance, but I had the advanced SP. And I would love to get those back again, along with the games I played on them. But that's way down the road. I'd say for myself, I'd like to get my Game Boy Advance back. It was this, um, I want the exact color, guys. It's got like purplish see-through from the original Game Boy Advance, which I think was the perfectly like portion-designed console. It felt so good in your hands. Um, I would love to get that back, playing some Golden Sun on that thing, and some pokemon so many really good rpgs i sunk time in on that thing you know advanced wars all those things so uh i never that that i don't have anymore and i don't know what happened to it but i would like to get that exact color back (laughs) that's the one i need to find nice i don't have anything else do you guys have anything else you wanted i'm good to go yeah so uh one final wrap-up i guess so physical versus digital uh i think we've all determined and i you know defined what that means to the three of us but you know for you the listeners we would love to hear your feedback on as well like where do you draw the line where where do you you know make your claim on nostalgia or you know being entirely the modern let us know hit us up on twitter (laughs) at geekfixpod uh our discord instagram i promise i check instagram um all those things like that I will also throw out, please drop a review for this podcast. We really need them. Um, They help us in the numbers. Basically, we can't climb a chart. Like, we do great listen-wise. We need the reviews to be seen on the charts, though. So please drop us a review. Um, Five stars would be good, but you you (laughs) do you. You do you. Just drop us those reviews. Awesome. Yeah. If you you like listening to us and you want other people to listen to us, that would help us out a great deal. But first and foremost we want to listen we want to talk with you guys so join the discord uh hit hit us up on twitter um all the things that uh, frank and kyle already mentioned do that because we love we love talking to you guys and that was the entire premise of pushing buttons from the beginning and that's why we're such a great fit with with the geek freaks network and that's what all of us at geek freaks are all about so yeah join us and yeah i think that's about it for this time uh we'll be back next week with a topic for that time but i don't know why i'm talking like a robot moving my head like one but i guess i guess i'm as bad at outros as i am at intros and i love it (laughs) anyway we'll see you guys same place same time next week um see you guys yeah love you adios